Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. We are presented by Citizen. Uh, it's good to have you guys here. It is going to be a rough show. I'm just warning you. Like, there are some shows that are going to be better than other. You can see Raja's got the... Uh, you got the, the cover there, so you don't want to breathe the same airspace that I'm in. Our room here, our studio, is very tight quarters. Small, son. So I, I hate to break it to you. I'm going to be this sick. It's going to be yeah. like Breakout. Wait, was it, wait, wait, what movie was that? Yeah, I, I think uh, it might have been Breakout with the I monkey. think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. virus. Outbreak. Outbreak, Outbreak was there. Correct. I will try to direct Dustin my Hoffman? breathing the other way. Yeah, that yeah. was. I hate those movies, too. I'm a germaphobe, and they really creep me out. But we're still going to power through. We're going to do a good show. We got a lot of tournament talk. We're going to continue to break that down as the playing game start tonight dave gettleman came out and defended his plan whatever that is for the new york giants i don't know and we have some Fortnite issues that yeah. we have to break down as well i know they had some server issues the other day i couldn't get in oh i don't know right. what you're talking about no no no, no. Right. something different than that but we'll get to that maybe we'll get into your server issues right. as well <laughs> before we get to the ncaa tournament talk do you find me annoying like you can be real real talk no do real talk nope not ever? Like every uh, well, once in a while? I find everyone sometimes. annoying sometimes. Right. Yeah. Everybody gets on your nerves right. a little bit sometimes. Right. I, so that makes me feel a little yeah. bit better because what happens around tournament time is different people come up with their own version of brackets. Okay. Right? So this website called The Spun, who I actually like. They're pretty good dudes. They tweet me during college football. Uh, they come out with a list, a bracket of sorts, of the 64 most annoying people <laughs> broadcasting. <laughs> Are you up there, dude? Are you advancing through bracket? Oh, yeah. I'm smoking Tim Tebow. So it's me. I'm a six seed. Right. I'm a six seed. For for a frame of reference. Yeah. Like where? Number one is Steven. I'll give you the four number one seeds. Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Jim Rome. These are my guys, too. Exactly. Like some of them, you're like, all right, Colin Cowherd Uh and Skip Bayless. Oh, wow. Okay. Strong for like some of those favorites. Skip's going to win. Yep. Yep. Mel Hill won last year, but she's not in the bracket this year because she's moved on from the sports broadcasting arena. So there's some good ones. I think I'm going to take down Tebow. I clearly am beating him by significant amount right now in the right. first round. He has his too many like crazy Tebow crazies that are going to vote against me. Uh, and then in the second round, I would take the winner of Paul Feinbaum versus Katie Nolan. Mm. Feinbaum is going to win that. So it's going to be Feinbaum versus Cannell in round two, yeah. which could be a knock them down, drag out, yeah, like, that, that's down a, like to the a, minute. Maybe have that a seems like a championship type of thing though, right? I like, so yeah. I actually, this is pretty funny that Spun does it. They do a pretty good job, but you can check it out online. You can vote online. Keep me going. Uh, but some of them, I think they're stupid and they get old, but I did see one that I actually really liked a bracket that I thought was really interesting until I saw the nominees that they had in their actual bracket. So the bracket was for the 2019 ultimate Netflix originals bracket. Oh, wow. The problem is, so the number one seeds in this, Narcos. Yeah. Perfect number one seed. Great call. Great call. Then it's Queer Eye. I've never, never watched it. it. Haven't seen it. Then it's Bird Box, which was awful and panned by right. everybody that saw it. And Orange is the New Black, which is okay. That's a good one that sure. people know. But some of these shows, like uh, Ozark, have you watched Ozark? Uh, I just like one or two episodes. So you didn't like it? No, I mean, I just haven't had a time. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. Ozark, it's not even in the bracket. Yeah, that's Justin Bateman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin or Jason? Jason, sorry. <laughs> same is, same is sister. Right? Is his sister like Justina Bateman or Chris, something? Christina? It doesn't no, matter. No, you're right. Just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And she was married to the dude from Van Halen. Look at oh, that. Man, We're getting you all know. around there. Yep. I like it, but I have a beef with their uh, some of their people they had there. We should. Who were the twos in, in that? Because I like Narcos? Netflix, yeah. Uh, was Terrence House. 
Never heard of it. House of Cards is a yeah, strong number. Sure. I think House of Cards should, should have been, been a number one seed. Uh, should have yep. been number one. The other one is To All the Boys I've Loved, which apparently Debo, our boy Debo, he raves about it. Really? It's a, it's a coming of age oh. story. Okay. But the, for girls. Maybe, okay. <laughs> Debo. But Debo's got a sensitive side, yeah. as we saw when he yeah, cried when great. the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And the last one is uh BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman animated type of thing, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, I, I think don't it's know. animated. They're up against American Vandal. Some of these I gotta watch on my trip because I'm headed to Las Vegas. No, Uhtred, son of Uhtred, Last it's, Kingdom, or Frontier, oh, or... See? That's what, that. I, that's my beef. Last Chance You is in there as a force. Alright, I think there we they go. could have one too. And Fire Festival. Fire is in there versus Making of a Murderer, but I think Making of a Making of a Murderer is gonna smoke them for sure. I think so too. Alright, how about we do some... Let's get it. Come how about on, we good. do some show? Cause right, let's just do this. Right. I would do an hour of that. You don't want to talk, uh, some matchups? Alright, so we've got the NCAA tournament. We also have the draft that comes up uh, not too far sure. after it. What's at stake for some of these guys that are playing in the tournament? And I'm not talking about Zion because I think Zion is pretty much locked up the one seed. Yeah, uh, not the one seed, the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. I don't. He could go out there and like have a dud tournament. I still think he's a lock. But is there anything? I think R.J. Barrett's going to be the Barrett. second player he's selected from them. But Cam Reddish is an interesting spot because he's been the Cam least talked about. Yeah. Can he do anything to increase his value at this point of the season just with a strong tournament? I mean, yes, but he's not going to supplant like Zion and RJ like as the one and two potentially. Do you know what I mean? Like Cam can solidify if you thought he was the number three, um, maybe ahead of John Morant or somebody like that potentially, although I don't think so, but he can solidify his position. And in theory, I mean, if he just goes completely off, and carries Duke, maybe he could climb some draft boards. But for the most part, like what happens is, like when I was in the front office with Cleveland, you'd have like Kobe Altman and Trent Redden. Kobe's the GM with Cleveland now, and Trent Redden um, is one of the assistant GMs with the Clippers. They would go around all year and and scout, and they'd be looking at these young guys, and they'd have their dossier written up on all these players. And then, you know, tournament time is when like David Griffin, like who was the GM at the time, or myself, who kind of acted in his in his stead when we were on the road because David didn't travel, we would get assignments to go out and see said kids. So I was at the Big 12 tournament to see Buddy Heald, right? I was at the ACC tournament to see like J.P. Tokido and Malcolm Brogdon and all those guys. Then I go down to the Sunbelt tournament and I go see the kid uh, R.J., uh, whatever his name was, that played for his dad at, at Georgia State. And so uh, R.J. Hunter, right. So what you're doing is – like you've you've created your staff has seen all of these guys and they've got a write up and now they want that second and third set of eyes to get out there and either verify what they've seen or say that you see something different than that, right? So right. it is a platform for you to kind of and I know we're past like their conference tournaments, but it's the same thing in the big tournament. They'll all be there. They want to see what you look like on that big stage. They want to see, you know, not so much skill set. But they want to see if you got that dog in you. Like, if things go wrong in a, in, a, in a tournament game, will you will you uh you know strap the saddle on your back and carry everybody home? Like, they they want to see what you're made of, what you do um when the lights are the brightest. And for the most part, they've got to work up on you already. They know what they're dealing with. They're just looking to verify that or see a chink in that armor and be like, hey, there was something concerning, man. When the lights got bright and he had to face you know his peer, you know he he didn't want none of that action, you know. And there were some guys like that uh, when I was coming out. I think that or when I was doing it. Sorry. I think that recency bias is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. I think you can really be influenced one way or another by what you saw last. So in that respect, I do and I'm not talking about Zion or Cam Reddish or RJ Barrett. I'm talking about like a guy like Buddy Heald, who you mentioned, had a phenomenal tournament and I think he parlayed that tournament into the sixth overall pick in the sure. draft. And there was definitely this momentum that was picked up. On the flip side, I think Grayson Allen missed an opportunity where he had an incredible tournament yes. as a freshman and there was a lot of speculation that he could have been a lottery pick yep. 
and he didn't went back and he dropped to 21. And there's a lot of, there's a difference in a lot of money and security and where the, the organization views you as a player. Yeah. So I, like, do you think that actually happens that scouts can get enamored with a guy because of a tournament run that they go on? It's life, right? Like, like you, you want to strike while the iron is hot and the timing of being a free agent, like the timing of, 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 of all of that is, is critical. And Grayson should have come out after his freshman year when they won the national championship, you know, not, not only because of the recency bias, but Danny also like you're playing futures to some degree. Right. And, you know, the more you give them to nitpick, we talk about this with quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, who's number one, they start to find holes in what you do. Like you want them tantalized by the possibility of what you could do. You don't want to give them enough of a body of work if you're high on their draft board already to start poking holes in who you are as a player. Do you know what I mean? So I, I am all for and, and completely support if you have a great tournament and you're a freshman and they have you in the top 15 bounce. Like if if, if if pro is your end game, you know, if you just want to be a great college player and you want to win championships, that's a different story. But if being a pro is your end game, you got to get out. Do you agree? So our Gary Parish, uh, his most recent mock draft has eight of the top ten players are actually playing in the tournament. He's got Zion going one, yeah. R.J. Barrett two. Uh, then he's got Ja Morant, who plays at Murray State. They're facing uh, Marquette and Marcus Howard in uh, round one of the NCAA tournament. So I was going to say, can Ja Morant increase his stock? But according to Gary Parrish, he's already pretty locked in. You know, he's already there. He can't really go much higher. Right. I don't think anything he does, he would get picked higher than there. But do you like Ja Morant going three overall? Is he that good of a player? Yeah, he is. He is a uh, special athlete from the point guard position. He averages about 24.5 points, 10 assists, shoots 50% from the field. And again, just an electrifying type of athlete. Like, that's him on the finish there. Um, you're talking about the likes of, like, Russell Westbrook and stuff like that in terms of athleticism and size at the point guard spot. Uh, here's the deal. If R.J. Barrett plays terribly, right, Right. Yeah, no, it's, you're talking about freaky stuff that he's able to do, and you pair that with an ability to pass the ball. Ten assists in college is a hard thing to do. Yeah, twenty four is a hard a thing game. to do, but yeah. ten assists a game is a hard thing to do. Um, if if RJ should be completely consumed by the, the Zion show and doesn't shoot well and doesn't show up, and Duke suffers this early exit, and John Morant is an absolute like shining star in the tournament and advances Murray State to let's say the Elite Eight. You could see him maybe surpass R.J. Barrett as the number two pick in the draft. It would have to be, again, the certain set of circumstances that, that have that uh, play itself out. But you could see something like that. Zion is going number one, though. Yeah, it's a lock. Yeah. He's got that on lockdown. I'll tell you what would be an absolute disaster for the whole tournament is if Zion and Duke do get knocked out early. Yeah, Even tough. if they get knocked out in the Sweet 16, they need to make the Final Four for college basketball, for interest, viewership, all those types of numbers. Because the rating's been up for college basketball. Sure. Five out of the six highest rated games of this season featured Zion and Duke when he was playing. Uh Even the selection show, which was pretty boring. There wasn't a lot of stuff to it. There wasn't a lot of surprise. There weren't you know much controversy of who was going to be the one. The ratings for that were up. And I think it's a direct impact of Zion Williamson because people are tuning in just to say hey where's good who's Duke gonna play correct what's their bracket what are they gonna do and I think it absolutely has had a major impact on them hey yeah. Raja what what team if you would pick between like the Suns the Hawks the Knicks the Cavs what team most needs someone like Zion to change their franchise to change their franchise the Knicks we said it yesterday they need the Knicks need relevancy sorry yeah. you asked Raja no they do they do I think that the him going to the Knicks is the best thing for the NBA like to get a, a star like that in that market to you know revive you know the Knicks themselves but if you're talking about 
a franchise that feels like they're stuck and they meet, might need like this transcendent type of talent to come in there and change their fortunes. Um, I think it's the Suns. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he'll mean more to the Suns. The Knicks are always a brand. Whether you're talking about them because they stink or because they're great, you're always talking about them, right? Mm-hmm. The Suns, because of where they are in Phoenix and they fall into this, like, they're not LA, you know, they're, they're just, they're West Coast, but, you know, the Lakers are always there. I think the Suns could use him the most. Um, even though they got DeAndre and Devin Booker, I got it. I think that franchise could use that kind of star. I don't know that Devin Booker or DeAndre actually wind up being that kind of star. Right. He could potentially be a, a, a star star. I have my reservations, mm-hmm. but he could potentially be a star star. So probably the Suns, Coca. I think if you're Zion, you would probably most likely want to go to the Knicks mm-hmm. for a bunch of reasons. The Suns, I would play second. And out of those top three picks, I would say the Cavs, if that's the order. The, I think the least, likely landing spot you would want to go to if you're Zion for a number of reasons. One, because their squad is awful right now, but also the LeBron shadow yeah. that would loom over you. That's his team. Correct. I would not want to go there because you're going to get a lot of those comparisons anyway, not because of style of play, because people are looking for the next LeBron, just like they were looking for the next MJ, and that's yeah. LeBron obviously gets that comparison. I think it'd be the Knicks, and it's not even close. Duke currently does sit in the uh, – they're the favorite from Las Vegas, 9-4. to four. Uh, Gonzaga, 9-2 to two favorites. Virginia, 6-1. to one. North Carolina, 10-1 to one odds for those. Uh, we all want to win our bracket. You got to join. Our show has a bracket. You can go join on CBS Sports HQ. Look for ours. It's off the bench. You can join ours. You want to win your bracket, right? I want to win mine. Well, that's a no-brainer. Well, Sportsline can help you with office bragging rights. Last year, their optimal bracket finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports brackets and called Villanova winning it all. And this is the best part. Their upset bracket called 12 of 18 first-round upsets by double-digit seeds the past three years. So visit sportsline.com slash brackets for the insight you need to win. Sign up for Sportsline using the promo code PLAYER, and you'll get your first month of Sportsline access for just $1. All right, welcome back, Canelo and Bell. So the New York Giants, we've all been puzzled by this team and their supposed plan for the future. As they traded away um, uh, your boy, Odie, uh, Odell yeah. Beckham Jr., to the Browns, and... The reports that came out. So here's here's my biggest beef with the Giants. They their plan looked like it was one thing last year when they said we're going to draft Saquon Barkley, we're going to put the pieces around Eli Manning. They gave Odell Beckham this monster new contract, even though there was some speculation at the time that they were going to potentially trade him. They brought in some offensive line help, signing Nate Solder, and they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go with Eli. We're gonna right. ride with him. We're gonna put some talent around him. Now. Some of them, and they, they trade away, uh, excuse me, they, they let Landon Collins go on the defensive side of the ball, which to me was perplexing. I thought they could have kept him at a very reasonable rate. They trade away Odell Beckham, and now you're starting to look at this team and you're like, well, what are they doing? What is the plan? Can Eli Manning win without one of the top receivers in the league? And I know they signed Golden Tate trying to get him in there. It's just been very confusing and all over the place. But Dave Gettleman says, really and truly, quote, really and truly, you can win while you're building. So he said, we are building. So he admitted yeah. to we're building for the future, which, uh, duh, hopefully you are. Uh, we're building. We were three and 13 when I took over. We were five and 11 last year. There you go. Looking for improvement. <laughs> 12 of those games were a touchdown or less. We're building. I don't understand why that is a question. Very honestly, it's not my responsibility to tell you guys what I'm doing. That's my job. It's not my responsibility to tell you. Trust me. We have a plan. And over time, you have to be patient. Uh, the interesting, the most interesting quote to me was what he said about Eli Manning. 
Uh, this narrative that Eli is overpaid and can't play is a crock. I'm telling you. So at the end of the day, you have to say Gettleman is out of his mind or he knows what he's talking about when he evaluates players. That is really what it is. That is really where it's at, and I'm okay if you disagree with me. That is fine. Gettleman is in his second year as GM. Before that, he was the Panthers GM from 2013 to 2016. I have a few thoughts on this. Do you feel any better about the Giants' plan? Dave Gettleman, find me another GM that doesn't think Eli is uh, overpaid and and can't play. Like, no, I mean, look. Can he still throw the football in an NFL? Yeah, yeah, no one's debating that. But is, is he good enough to be, to be starting for a team that's trying to win games at this point? That's very debatable. And they're probably not a whole lot of GMs. Bad team, sure. Like, and if you're saying you have a plan in place and, and Eli is a part of that plan just to hold the place for, for the next young gun, I'll co-sign on some of that. But don't try to sell me that Eli is still a, a viable quarterback in the NFL. I do not believe that. I don't know a whole lot of other people who believe that. And here's my problem with part part of what he said. I agree with you, and I say this about the media all the time, even though I am a member of the media. As a player or someone in the front office, I really don't owe you any explanation. I don't have to explain myself to you. Only person I have to explain myself to is my boss. Right. As long as he believes in what I'm doing and he sees the fruits of my labor, we're straight. I don't care what you say. I'm cool with you on that, Mr. Gettleman. Here's the problem. When you are, when it looks to people like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, like when you're talking about building and building and, and, and paying people and building that way, and then you go ahead and trade said player and you don't retain like a cornerstone of, of your franchise and a professional, uh, or of your defense and a professional like Landon Collins, um, but you still are holding on to Eli Manning, like now you're talk, you're saying one thing and you're doing something else. You're like contradicting yourself. It looks like you don't have a plan. And that's the problem, right? right? It's not what it looks like you don't have a plan because you're saying one thing and doing something else. Whether you owe the explanation or not, I'm with you, dude. I don't think you do. But you look like you're stuck like changing gears midstream all the time. Yep. Here's what I think happened. This is my hunch. I think the Giants last year considered trading Odell Beckham. And then I think they said, you know what? Top receiver, we didn't get the offer we wanted, so we're going to stick with him. And they know what happened? I think the Giants got burned by Odell Beckham. Remember when he did the interview with Josina Anderson on ESPN? Little Wayne was there, and he right. was talking about the play calling, questioned Eli Manning, and that was after he had just been paid. Yep. I have a hunch that the Giants' front office and ownership were like, I can't believe this guy just did this to us. He was he traded just, then? I think so. Yep. I think that was the minute they were done with him. Right. And then the season unfolded the way it did, and it didn't go the way they wanted. And so they were kind of like, all right, well, if we have any opportunity to move this side, not the best. See, here's what makes no sense, is that by all indications, the Giants – uh, had floated out there. We are willing to trade Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. but it has to be an offer that blows us away. Jabril Peppers and a third and a fifth are not blowing you away. That's where I think that this was pretty obvious that what really went down. And that's why I think it doesn't make sense for them to do that. Now, granted, they had a spot to fit because Landon Collins moved on. They needed safety. And Peter King wrote an article that was really, uh, interesting because it talked about the trade and how much Gettleman loved Jabril Peppers. Right. And it, but he also, they actually called Buffalo, and they were trying to get – because Buffalo, remember the Antonio Brown trade yeah. fell through? Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, if they're looking for a top-flight receiver, let's call them. It was the only other team they called, and they said they were they were trying to get two ones from right. Buffalo, which right. makes a lot of sense. If you would have got two ones – That's a different ballgame. Exactly. That changes the whole scope of the right. conversation. But because the compensation that they received back was so bad, it makes me wonder – like what really is going on? I think there's some, there's some, we were done with Odell. We just want to get rid of him. But now what are you going to do? Cause Eli Manning, I think what's interesting, if Eli was cut, right? Just cut from the Giants. I wonder how many teams would be out there lined up. 
to pay him the type of money the Giants are paying. Nobody. There would be a lot of teams that would say, you know what? Well, the Dolphins, they would probably sign. They just signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Probably wouldn't have been that much more money than they gave Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. They'd say, you know, we'll take a couple years of Eli at a reasonable rate. A reasonable the Giants rate. Are still paying him, uh, you know, pretty good money and they're still believing that he's going to take them to the promised land. That's what I don't believe to be true. I don't, and again, I don't know that they believe that to be true. And I, here, here's the deal, dude. Don't, don't come out. Don't come out and try to sell the public a six for a nine. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Right. Like, you know damn well he's not worth what he's getting paid right now. Everyone knows that. Right. So don't come, you can come out and say, I don't owe you an explanation. We have a plan. Watch it unfold. Give it some time. Okay, dude. Like, you did win two more games than you did last year. If you go, right, you go. That's a hard sell though. From three and 13 to five. You go, you go seven and nine this year. You go nine and seven the following year. You go eleven and five the following year. God bless you. Right. But don't come out there and tell me that Eli Manning is the player that he was and he deserves the money he's getting. Now you lose me. Now you lose people because now you're lying. And so I do think the one thing I would say is that it is too early to say this has been a failure. Trading away Odell Beckham was a big mistake. They didn't get enough turn. Let's see how Jabril Peppers plays out. Let's right. see what they draft with the picks that they got from them. But overall, when you look at Khalil Mack, who the Raiders traded to the Bears, they got two ones. You know, like that's that was the going rate for a top tier Correct. defensive pass rusher. You would think it would translate to the other side of the ball too, and that's where I'm just kind of perplexed. Uni- universally, that deal was the the winner in that deal was Cleveland. I've yet to see one person who who knows football get up there and say, "Man, the Giants really the Giants really got over on the Cleveland Browns." No, not one person has said that until now. Let's see if Odell like goes into Cleveland and he acts like a diva and he's oh, yeah, about- well, yeah. then you're yeah, like, yeah, "Hey, yeah, sure. great trade for the Giants," for sure. but of course. Uh, that remains to be seen. Um, we have some breaking news out of Major League Baseball. Oh. Man, I should have played baseball about <laughs> this because we just saw some record-making contracts. We saw Manny Machado sign with the mm. Padres. We saw Bryce Harper sign with the Phillies. We were like, whoa, look at that type of money, 330. Mike Trout, who is the best player in baseball, the best position player in baseball, has finalized, is finalizing a deal with the Angels for 12 years Four hundred and thirty million dollars. That is a hundred million dollars more than Bryce Harper got with the Phillies. Ooh. This is this is funny money. It really is. I don't like, even know what to say about that. Silly money. I don't even know what that. What are you gonna say? Good for you, Mike Trout. He's twenty-seven years old. Twenty-seven. He's won the American MVP twice. Uh, he's finished second four times. This year, this the contract averages thirty six million a year. It tops Zach Greinke's previous record average of thirty four million a year with Arizona Diamondbacks. It's thirty percent larger than the three hundred and thirty million dollar deal that Bryce Harper got. This is bonkers. Just text my son to try out for the baseball. Exactly, get him out of football. Get out of football too. Like Kyler Murray, maybe he starts thinking about this. The only part that's kind of a bummer for me with this. The Angels haven't been good with Mike Trout. We haven't got to see him make any postseason run. I wonder what the Angels can do for him. Because there, I was, there was, I was hoping at one point in his career that maybe they would trade him away, yeah. get him on a contender, you know, see him actually having a chance to play. Because that's the biggest concern for me is that Mike Trout, his entire career, just doesn't get that part. Now we'll see what the Angels are talking about plans with the Giants. We'll have to see what plans they get. How mad? How mad are Yankees fans right now that they just missed out on Bryce Harper and Mike Trout? They're bummed. They're absolutely because they feel like, hey, we're that organization that can pay. We'll pay anybody. Yeah. Uh, but the Yankees made it pretty clear they weren't going to overpay for anybody. I was. I thought you were going to ask how mad is Bryce Harper, right? And he just got somebody else signed a month after <laughs> him. 
for a you know thirty percent more than you got, and Scott Boris, his agent, you know, was out there touting as this is the biggest contract in baseball history, and it gets absolutely throttled by Mike Trout. Now there, I think Mike Trout is a significantly better player than Bryce Harper. I think he's a better teammate in the yeah. clubhouse. I love. I just think he's a better player, so I get it. But even that for a hundred million dollars more, and I believe Bryce Harper's deal was thirteen years. So I mean, just on any level you look at it, this deal blows Bryce Harper's deal out of the water. I don't know the Angels' success like recently. Like I don't. I, they haven't been like, good. <laughs> They've is been there brutal. any questioning? Like I know I'm, I am not doing it, but I'm asking you: Is there any questioning? Because we do this to a lot of other players in other sports about taking all of that money and not being in a place where you could potentially win. Like, right. And what that means to their legacy? Like, are they more about the money than than winning? Right. And I never listen. I'm always about the money, so right. I ain't like I'm cool with it. But are there any questions? Like, will he be having to answer questions as to why he locked into a deal with them? Like going into the season and we don't even know what they're going to look like. No. He won't get that type of criticism because right. I think one thing it's the team that he started with. Yep. So he's kind of he's going to be able to finish his yeah, career as an angel which right. is always something. Uh and it's it's baseball is probably you know if, if you're a quarterback you need help around you. But right. obviously baseball he can't pitch. Right. That's true. You know like so he needs help around him so as long as he produces he won't catch as much heat. I just from a fan's perspective, I would love to see him in postseason moments. I would love to see him get to play in a World right. Series. Well, for sure. Do it, for sure. Uh and and have his chance to do that. The interesting thing about this, the Angels do not have the best success with long-term contracts. Albert Pujols is one of the worst that's ever been signed. His $240 million deal, which was 10 years, was a, a, a disaster. And the $125 million deal uh, that Josh Hamilton had was both just a brutal deal. So I guess it didn't affect, you, impact their decision-making at all because they're like, ah, we'll just sign another guy to it because he's going to be 49. Or no, yeah, 49. No, no 39. 39. 39. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. My Florida State education. Uh, but he's going to be 39 towards the end of this. Like, what, yeah. is the, what, do you, what value are you getting well, we, back into this? We, it makes no sense to me, these longer-term deals. None of these deals do, right? Like, it's not just the Angels. We talked about it when, when they were signing Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Like, and he, it's not a knock on Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or anybody else. It's just the age factor has to come into play yeah. and slumps and everything else. You know, it's, it's funny because we were sitting here about a month ago, man, maybe less than that, wondering if, like, baseball owners were going to kind of reset the market by themselves. Like if they were going to take it upon themselves without a collective bargaining agreement to say, hey, we're not signing these type of 12-year deals like anymore. They never work for us. Right. No one is going to give them out. Right. No one is they getting signed. They were all going to get together and agree not to do it. Correct. All and it takes is one all it takes to screw it up. No honor amongst like, these. hey, we're going to do it. Everybody's doing it, right? <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of the Angels, how bad they've been. Uh, they haven't been above 500 in four years. Uh, they haven't made the they played the playoffs once since 2010. They've had three straight losing seasons. It's tough. They do have a new uh, coach, a manager, and Brad Ausmus, so we'll have to see. They have the fifth highest 2019 payroll, but again, baseball it doesn't always buy you a championship. For the Angels' case, it doesn't even buy them playoff appearances. So it'll be interesting to see. But congrats to Mike Trout, yeah, uh, who's a great dude, and we'll have to see if baseball. They've talked about promoting him more. Uh, they might want to get him out in front even more after this uh, contract that he's inked. So good news for him. Uh, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. We had a discussion about the Spurs. I don't remember. It was probably in January. Uh, they weren't looking great. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like they would kind of lost in obscurity. Yep. It looked like maybe they'd miss out in the playoffs. I think I said they're going to miss, and you were like, nah, they'll be right around. Well, guess what? <laughs> they are on a tear right now. They've won nine straight games. They've clinched their 22nd straight season with a winning record, which is insane. Like those types of numbers to me – are almost more impressive than a super team, which just has a little window, like yeah. uh, like three or four years mm-hmm. where they're always in the championship hunt. To have that type of consistency really speaks volumes. You, I wasn't the only one that was wrong. Coco, what you? So you had a bet that what was their record going to be? 
that they wouldn't win 50 games this year. And like I was good, I was good. they were thirty three and twenty nine before this win streak started. Thirty three well, twenty nine. I'm like it's a lock. Devo was telling me he's like, dude, you're good. Like, don't even sweat it. I'm like, no, I'm not sweating it. They're thirty three and twenty nine. They have twenty games left, and they've won nine straight now. I think you're going to be good though. Really? They're, they're only eleven games left, right, Coca? I was thinking about it. Are there only they eleven games eight? left? They have to win eight out of eleven. I still think you're going to be good. I think they're coming at 49 wins. Um, what if they start looking for that four seed and there's like something to play for? You have that dangle that carrot outside. They want to. Well, no, that's one thing. Off. They're going to be hungry. They won't take their foot off the the gas. The question is, some of the teams that they play down the stretch are they are they already locked into their seeds, and are they going to right be right. rolling out their B team because they're trying to get guys some 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 maintenance? They do have a little bit. So they play the Heat at home. Uh, the Heat will be hungry tonight. They play them at home though. Then they yep. have a little road trip. They go to Houston, which will be a tough one. Yep. They go to Boston. Yeah, they'll be hungry. Two Charlotte should win. Cleveland at home should win. Yeah. Sacramento, a good game. They get Atlanta at home at Denver at Washington, Cleveland, Dallas. Now there's some games in there that they they'll, they will lose that you don't think they will lose. Of course. And I do think that they will come up around 49. So I think Coca is safe. Here's the deal: before this streak, they were as low as 23rd in the NBA in terms of defensive efficiency. Over this streak of nine games, they are the number one team in the league, hands down, in terms of defensive efficiency. And I, like, it's so crazy because all they show you are highlights. It's all they show you, right? Yeah. Offensive basketball. Yep. Skill trainers, offensive basketball. It, it, the old adage, what really wins is defense. All of these super teams with all of this fantastic offense, they don't win because of the offense. They win because they pair it with a top five defense. Right? Like, it, yeah, you could go out there and shoot all the threes you want. But if you can't stop the other team from doing it, you're in a real precarious situation down the stretch. If he makes a three, you lose the game. Like, defense is what it's all about in basketball. Now, you pair that with really good offense. You've got something working. But if you will sit down and defend, especially over the course of 82 games, like, when guys are kind of coming in there, like, let's let's face it, they're not always, like, giving you their A effort. If you'll sit down and play harder than somebody and defend, you can rack up a lot of wins in the NBA. Which is what they've done. Uh, Steve Kerr, who beat the Spurs the last time they played, the Warriors did by 39 points after the game. He said, that's the hottest team in the league and obviously very well coached. They were executing. I thought they out-executed us, out-coached us. They deserve to win. To your point about defense, even the super team, which is filled with offensive talent, they're always in the top five of defense, yeah. defensive efficiency ratings or whatever. Like right. They're always really good defensively. I think the recent years they've been laxing a little bit in the regular season, and then they amp it up, and they pull a start playing a little bit more defense in the postseason. LeBron James, when he was on the Miami Heat, that was one thing that Spolstra and Pat Riley really yep. in, uh, instilled in him was you got to play defense on that side of the court too. So absolutely uh pretty good point by you. The, the coolest part about the Spurs, not to hijack it about the Spurs, and I, like, I love Greg Popovich, even though, like, he let me go. Like, I do. I really, I really am enamored by what they're able to do out there. It's on a lot of levels. Like, you know, they have so much turnover recently with, with guys. You know, you're talking about Timmy retiring and then, you know, Manu and, and then you've got, you know, you, you, you let, um, Tony Parker go and then you, you're trading away Kawhi. Like, there's so many moving parts. And they're still kind of able to figure it out. Even if it doesn't look pretty early in the season, they figure it out. And they've got good players, but then they got a bunch of guys that they draft like in the, in the second round, guys that they pick up off of free agent deals that didn't, didn't get drafted and they bring them there. So the eye for the talent is there because they see something in the kid, but he's not maybe ready yet. No one else saw it, but then they develop the heck out of him. So within a year, that kid's a viable NBA player. 
Like there would be no destination that I would rather go as an undrafted free agent uh, than 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 San Antonio. Like if I had a choice between San Antonio or anywhere else undrafted, take me to San Antonio because I know even if I don't play, I'm going to get developed. Like my skill set will be ready to play in year two or year three because they will develop that talent. And you're gonna win. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, winning. Yes, correct. You're going to win. Two years sure. in a row, you've had a winning record there for sure. Is San Antonio that bad? As, I mean, it a, gets ripped all the time. Uh, like a, a place, famously not. Yeah, like to live, to have to play there. It's just. Di- I mean, it's different than than Miami, like Miami, or LA, or, New York. or New York. Yeah, it's not bad. Like I, I like my time. Would in you San rather Antonio. you, you know, Oklahoma City or San Antonio? I'm trying to think of rough cities. That I've lived in San Antonio for like a month and a half, two months. I've never lived in Oklahoma City, so it's hard for me. I'd pick San Antonio. Like, there's stuff to do. Like, just great golf. Yeah. Um, you know, it's Texas, though, so stuff is kind of spread out. It's not like you got this big downtown area or this, you know, you got the River Walk, which is cool. I, I like San Antonio. I thought it was yeah. great. I, I've never been, so I, 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 don't, oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, listen, it's a, it's a different vibe. Right. You know, but it's, it's you know, once you get used to it and you figure out what you can do there to have fun, right. you're good to go. Right. And if you're making all that money, you can figure yeah, you out can, something yes, to do, correct. right? Uh, Isaiah Thomas got to return to Boston. Finally gets his moment there because the last time it was Paul yeah. Pierce's jersey retirement. Paul Pierce obviously said he didn't want it to go down that same <laughs> night. And he's been healthy. So he actually gets to play. Uh, they do a tribute video for him, which this poor dude, I would give him whatever he wants at yeah, this point because he lost out on so much money. Um, Thomas said after I was emotional, I almost cried. That was everything. I appreciate them uh, for doing that. That meant a lot. This type of love is something that I wanted, I needed, and I'm glad I was able to come back. The love was amazing. He was obviously, uh, in, it was amazing. He was traded in the summer of 2017 for Kyrie Irving. And since then, it has just been, I mean, he wanted the five, the max contract, which was a $200 million deal. And I think there were some people that thought he deserved it. Yeah, there were some. Yeah. Uh, uh, not, not as many as he would have wanted. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like, you sign for five years, 120 million. Like you're still a lot better. He's he's currently on a one year, two million dollar deal. Right. Like he lost a, a boat ton load. of money, and so like I get one in the max deal. I like Isaiah because he's like he is a, a chip on your shoulder. I'm gonna prove the world wrong type of player, mm-hmm. uh, and I really enjoy that and respect it. Um, I think it went a little far with the max money, although he was incredible that year for the he Celtics. He was in the MVP conversation. He was incredible, man. Um, the, I don't, I don't, I don't know that his asking price is what ultimately led to like the trading and stuff. Cause anytime you could probably swing Kyrie, I mean, for, for Isaiah, most, most, most teams are going to do that. As good as he was, you're going to take the swing at Kyrie. You know what right. I mean? But, you know, positioning yourself to want that max money and, and like, that's scary to some people. People don't want to pay you that max money at five nine. Right, and uh, him making the decision uh, or not getting that it cost him a ton of money. It was really cool too because he had such an emotional tie to the city. Yeah, uh, when he lost his sister, it really did feel like they embraced him, and he commented about that. Said the uh, the love was always there, uh, but that took it to another level. Talking about his sister's uh, losing his sister, so it was pretty cool. It's one of those ones as a fan where you hate the business aspect of it. You wish there was some way he could have stayed in Boston and figured it out. And it just kind of sucks, you know, because people, I don't think a lot of, especially young fans, don't understand that, you know. You know, sometimes. It's a a harsh business. Sometimes as a player, um, you know, what happened, so it happened recently on our show with the whole Utah thing, right? And you guys read me some of the replies from people in Utah. Yeah. It actually meant a lot to me, right? Because you live in a community, like you're Isaiah, and you pour your heart out, not not just on the court, but like you do stuff in the community, like you try to be a great citizen and add value to the community. And then in- inevitably, usually things kind of go sideways, you know, business wise with the club. And 
think people have to move on and the club has to keep getting better and younger and you get older and things kind of fall apart and deteriorate. And as a player, you know, you kind of feel like everybody turns their back on you or they don't like you. It's like human nature, right? Like the the, the organization did, so maybe the whole – and it hurts because, like, man, like I had a great time in that place. And I know Isaiah feels the same way. Man, we had a great run. Um, You know, I did so many cool things in Boston. It was like they were like family for me. Like now everybody turns their back on you. And, and for him to go home or go back to Boston and have people really support him and show him that, look, yeah, even though it didn't work out with the Celtics, dude, we still love you, like that had to mean – the world to him. And it kind of meant a lot to me to hear that the Utah fans, like at the end of the day, don't feel the way I thought they felt about me. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. Uh, do we clip that for you? <laughs> Again. We've, been, we've been clipping them off and just sent them to like the state of Utah. Their, uh, you no, know, but it is. Tourism stuff. We've it is because you, it you don't know, right? Like, you're, oh, yeah. like you, you feel like, man, like it got sideways. They must hate me, you right. know? And I'm sure he felt like that. Um, but it was cool for him to see him last night because that's tragic. Like mine can't even compare to his. That was tragic for him. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. In case you haven't heard, there's breaking news out of Major League Baseball. Uh, as Mike Trout is finalizing a $430 million extension with the uh, Los Angeles Angels, which is 30% more, $100 million more than Bryce Harper just got with the Phillies, significantly more than Manny Machado got with the Padres. So baseball just keeps on spending that funny money. Again, every one of these deals, I ask the same question. It's not an indictment on the player themselves. In 12 years, and shoot, in six years, yep. will the Angels, Padres, or Phillies say, that was money well spent? Nope. And I have a hard time believing that they will. We'll see. Maybe they translate to different ones. I would I would want, if I'm spending that type of money, no, I'm expecting a World Series. The answer is no. All right. We'll is, is one World Series worth that? Maybe. Well, yeah. Especially like for the Padres or Angels who have been totally irrelevant. One, it might baseball. be worth it for one. Yeah, Cause then it would boost up ticket sales. You know, you get, you get all of a sudden you become relevant in baseball. Those mm-hmm. teams have been just flailing around. So I do think for them, it would mean the world, uh, if they could turn it around. But well, let's see if that happens. Speaking of the Phillies, who Bryce Harper, uh, just signed with his, his, uh, new deal, there was an issue at the end of the last season. So the Phillies had lost their ninth consecutive game towards right. the end of last September. They have a veteran, first baseman, Carlos Santana. And he felt like he needed to send a message to the clubhouse. You know why? Because he realized that some players, he said, this is a Santana's, Colo Santana's quote. The saxophonist? No, no, no. no. Oh. Wait, isn't he a guitarist? Is he a guitarist? <laughs> I want to get our thing. It's a guitarist. Oh, Played right. by Carlos Santana. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's on Not a violin. He's a guitarist. He's a guitarist. He's a saxophonist. My okay, bad. good. Uh, so, Carlos Santana said, I see a couple players, and I don't want to say names. Yeah, don't say them. They play video games during the game. We Dur- come and during, during the, the game. game. So at baseball, it's pretty commonplace for guys because your dugout is connected to the clubhouse, okay. right? So you can go in the clubhouse. You might get a snack if you're not playing in the game. Uh, you can go use the bathroom. You know, so other like and other guy Mariano Rivera famously like would take naps in the clubhouse before it was really? time to close. Okay, so it's kind of a relaxed atmosphere in the clubhouse. Right. But obviously you don't want it so relaxed where dudes are spending multiple innings because Fortnite's not a quick game. It's not no. like you're getting a quick game. No, in. no, no. They're in there. Why, if you're any good, playing Fortnite right while the game is going on, and they might have been pitchers or position players who weren't playing. But to me, that is disrespectful for the dudes that are out there trying to win a game. Yeah. So Carlos Santana said he came in there and he said, "I'm angry because I want to make it good. He wants to make it right." So he comes in there with a bat, smashes the TVs and the video games, and says, "We can't have this anymore." This. If I'm a team, I want a guy like Carlos Santana. Somebody, because managers, coaches, they can only police so much. Sure. You need players who are going to be invested and who want to win and want to do it the right way. 
I want a guy like Carlos Santana in my clubhouse. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, that's disrespectful. Like we talk about like LeBron having a conversation with, with Tyson Chandler and wondering if he's all in when the teams have, he's not in the game and there's a timeout. You're talking about playing Fortnite. Right. We talk about Fortnite <laughs> in the right. middle of a, in the middle of a game. That's absurd. And yes, um, I would want a guy like Carlos Santana too. It's an interesting thing though. Like I don't, is Carlos Santana, was he still a starter? Is he still really a good player? Uh, I am not a hundred percent sure, but it was a, you know, he's been around a long time. I only say, I only say that to say that like a lot of teams, especially in the NBA, they want to keep an older player around, um, to be a voice like that, right. And to have a, like set a culture and stuff like that. And it's, it's difficult sometimes if that guy isn't producing anymore, he's not part of the rotation. He's not a guy that can go out and back up the talk Mm -hmm. because to some of those young guys, then it just becomes talk. You know, so you really need a guy who's not that long in the tooth. He's not past his expiration date. He might still be able to get out there and be in the mix and put up numbers. And if he leads you, like, culturally, then typically guys will follow. But if you miss that expiration date and he's not able to perform anymore, guys are looking at him like... Yeah, they could do that. But there is some respect level that you have to see a guy who's been around the league. Obviously, the Phillies didn't feel too strongly about his presence in the clubhouse because they traded him to the Indians. Correct. They sent him backing. Uh, Santana does said he quoted said he doesn't believe that first year manager Gabe Kapler's managerial style was a factor because Gabe Kapler is a weird dude. He did have some unique, uh, managerial, uh, style to him. Right. He was one of those guys earlier this season, uh, that was sending pitchers out there, pulling him after a couple pitchers, going with the starter. Just, he was kind of this at the forefront front of things and some people are wondering was he too loose what was going on i do think there's a cultural problem in the locker room if your dudes are playing fortnite while the game's going there are on. D- different coaches have different philosophies on how loose they want you to be like right i i, I actually subscribe to like rel- relatively loose like locker rooms i want you to feel you know good about going out there and doing what you do i don't want you uptight and 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 uh and overthinking it. Uh, I played for other coaches though, and like Mike D'Antoni was kind of that guy. I played for other guys like Jerry Sloan didn't want you with headphones on, like on the bus and stuff like that. Like I played for a guy in Europe that didn't want you, uh, like really communicating on the team playing and stuff. He wanted you there focused and in your lane going to the game. So different guys have different styles. Um, you ever play for anybody that had a, had a, had a problem with you guys? On the bus or in the locker room? No, I mean, it was always, you know, there were some guys that would get mad if you were goofing around pre, cause NFLs too, it's like you're going to war, right? I mean, right. it's like you're about to do this physical, you know, like this crazy thing where you get hurt and you right. potentially lose your career. So there was just, there was naturally a, a more intense atmosphere in the clubhouse or in the locker room, but it wasn't the same as it was in college. In college, pregame, it was nobody talked. It was everybody had their headphones on. Yeah. Everybody had their game face on. In the NFL, some guys were looser than others and they would kind of keep to themselves. You know right. what I mean? But, and I never saw a coach lose it, but here's the difference I would say, because even Joe Madden, who was, you know, famously quirky and he's fun and has his team dressing costumes. He, you know, brings in animals into the clubhouse right. like, to kind of keep it loose. I love the loose atmosphere, but you have to know when to dial it in. Indeed. And if your players don't understand during a game is the time to dial it in, then you have a problem. Cause I would always encourage, Looseness. Let's have fun. Remember, it's a game. Yeah. But you still want that intensity to dial in when it's time for you know the lights come on. For sure. You know. For sure. For sure. Uh, we have some play-in games tonight uh, for college basketball as the 68 uh, team field. We're trying to narrow it down to 64. Prairie View A and M versus Fairleigh Dickinson, where uh, the New York Giants used to hold training camp out yeah. in New Jersey. Fairleigh Dickinson is a one and a half point favorite. 
Fairly dick. I can't wait to hear your prayer view A&M breakdown. All right. All right. I got, hold on. I'm looking oh, you do have text some notes. right now. So I know a kid named Devante who plays for prayer view A&M. Oh, you do. That's him right now cutting down the nets. Yeah. Right? That's you him. know this dude. Yeah. I know him. So he played for a buddy of mine named Neil Hawks with a bunch of kids. They got homeschooled out in Dallas, um, or just outside of Dallas. And it was a group of them that came up from like the sixth, seventh grade. And they all were homeschooled all the way through high school. And then they took them back to public high school like in 11th grade and they won state championships and stuff. So I've known them and, and helped, like, like I helped train them back in the day and stuff like that. So I'm going with Prairie View A&M for my men Boom. Boom. All right, how about Temple versus Belmont? Belmont's everybody's favorite. Yeah, that's a real story. Uh, Belmont is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going with my man Blue McKee, man. He's there at Temple. Um, I'm going with the Philly squad. I'm going to take Temple. If you were you were obviously at a program that you, you even said the other day, was it FIU when you were – like there were – Politicking, trying to yeah, make the case. It's pointless. You were, but yes, it was an FIU. Would you rather play, play and in. get bounced oh. in the tournament in the big dance, yeah. or go have a chance to win multiple games in the NIT? Sign me up for the dance, sir. <laughs> Just give you that. I, I would love to. Have, I would love to say. I still have to say now, like. Every time somebody talks about dance, I never got to play in it. Right. Like, so it would be cool to just have that box checked so <laughs> I could always talk. Because now I will get some people, like, it'd be like, yeah, bro, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you never played in tournament. Two you know? things from the Mike Trout thing. One, do you think it's possible for a guy who just signed 30, $333 million in Bryce Harper to be upset that somebody signed for $100 million than you? Yep, I do. <laughs> I do. You wouldn't crazy. think so, but yes, I do. There's, yes. there's probably a part that eats him down yes. inside. Would said if I just waited a couple more weeks and this would have been set, the market would have been set here. Absolutely, I could have had another hundred million. It would still be all right. Look, I I signed for, for like when I signed with the Suns, it was it was more than I ever thought I'd see in my life. Like right. it was it was the most fantastic thing in the world. A year later, I was like, I'm underpaid. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the way it goes. You're such a spoiled <laughs> athlete. <laughs> all right, we'll see you tomorrow.